You're listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast, episode six. On this week's episode, I'm featuring a very talented intellectual property lawyer who is going to walk us through how to protect your business. Now, I know no one loves spending money on lawyers, but it is super important to build a business that's not only sustainable financially and has a great brand, but is also legally protected. So in this week's episode, we're going to get all into that, and I cannot wait. Okay, see you in there. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Brave and Boss, the podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the Ethical Fashion Brand Encircled business coach, business mentor, and host of this podcast. I am excited that you've chosen to listen to this episode. It is going to be great. We have never had a lawyer on the podcast before, so this is really exciting for me because shamelessly, I have a lot of legal questions. And although our guest this week can't legally give us advice, she can give us guidance around things to think about to protect your business and stay profitable using intellectual property and contracts, which sounds super boring, but it is really, really important. I've seen the wrong side of this, both in my own business and in some of my friends who are entrepreneurs in their businesses when there's not the proper contracts in place. And trust me, you want to spend money on this type of stuff upfront versus having somebody steal your trademark or sue you from an employment agreement. These are those little things. It's almost like insurance. If you think about it, you pay for insurance just in case while you pay for a lawyer just in case these things happen. So in this week's podcast, we're going to go over lots of stuff and I'm going to introduce you to the guest in just a minute. So I just want to touch on a few things going on right now. If you listened to the last episode, you would have heard all about Black Friday and Cyber Monday. It was a bit of an interesting weekend, I think, for sales for a lot of brands. Some people saw some massive growth. Some people saw some big declines. There was a real mixed bag across the board. And one thing I do know is Shopify saw some big gains in their sales. However, they've also gained a ton of merchants. So there's a lot more e-commerce competition out there. So there's no better time than now to revisit your email marketing and become a master in it because email marketing does work. It has great reach. It is not subject to the algorithm of Instagram or TikTok, but it's a really connected way to reach your customers, deliver value, and also directly sell to them as well. So I have an e-commerce email marketing masterclass. It is up on my shop. I'll leave the link in the show notes if you want to check it out. I highly, highly recommend this. We've gotten some great reviews out of this program. It is timeless and the content in that will go forever and really walks you through step-by-step how to create campaigns and flows that are going to put, you know, making revenue on automation for you, which is all we want to do, right? Is take vacation and make money and not have to work. Isn't that the dream? Anyway, so check that out. It's the email marketing masterclass. You'll get access to unlimited time of learning and it's through Teachable, which is a great platform. You can download the PDFs. There's lots of templates and documents and forms and all kinds of good stuff and spreadsheets. And yeah, you'll get access to the coaching calls that I did in the live session. And if we do a live session again, which I think we might in the future, you can join again for free in the live Q&A and ask your questions and get some complimentary coaching from me. 
All right, so let's talk about the episode. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Francesca Witzberg. She is on Instagram at the trademark attorney and the trademark attorney.com. So that's T-R-A-D-E-M-A-R-K-A-T-T-Y.com. So let's talk about who she is. So she's an award-winning attorney and legal strategist who focuses on helping businesses stay protected and profitable. She's worked with some of the top global brands, including Prada, Versace, Tory Burch, and at the largest law firm in the world. She's currently a partner at the nationally ranked IP law firm Loza and Loza, and her practice centers on all things related to trademark, which we talked about copyright, brand protection matters, and commercial transactions. She's really well-versed in entrepreneurs and has some great ideas for small businesses. So if you're thinking right now, I am too small for legal protection, you are not. She's going to give some great ideas, and I'm shamelessly going to ask a ton of questions in this that I think the audience, you, would love to hear about. So please join me in welcoming Francesca to the show. Okay, I'm really excited to welcome today's guest to the podcast. It's actually the first ever lawyer that we've had on the Brave and Boss podcast, which is very exciting to me because I think legal is super important to building a sustainable and scalable business. So please join me in welcoming Francesca Witzberg to the podcast. Welcome. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm I'm honored to be your first lawyer, and I hope <laughs> we can have a very practical, helpful talk today. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that. And I think that's one of the reasons why people love this podcast is the practicality. So I think we'll get a lot of good takeaways from this one. So maybe we can just start off with an intro. So tell me a little bit about you, what you do and what your why is. Sure. So I, I'm an attorney, I'm an intellectual property and contract attorney. I also call myself a legal strategist because I really do work with entrepreneurs and businesses to strategize allocate their resources and figure out what's the most important strategic way to protect their businesses and stay profitable. So I've worked for a variety of global brands. I In law school, I interned at Prada and Tory Burch. And then as I went on in my career, I've worked for a lot of Fortune 500 companies. I worked in-house for a little bit at one of the biggest global brands in the world. <laughs> and so doing all of that has prepared me to really understand all of the issues from working, not just from those big companies, but also for the lot of solopreneurs and mid-sized businesses. And I left, I left Big Law last year, this month last year, and I moved to an IP-specific firm called Loza and Loza as a partner. So I was able to really be more entrepreneurial, have my own clients and the part that I love the most is working one-on-one with the businesses to strategize how to protect their businesses. And so that's a very high-level overview of me. Mm-hmm. No, you have such an impressive background. I mean, those are some big brands that you've worked for and sounds like a very prestigious law firm. So again, we feel super lucky to have your time here for the next 30 minutes. You know, the one thing that when you filled out the form for the show, you talked about something that I thought was really important to touch on maybe initially and you mentioned that the legal aspect is often one of the most important but overlooked aspects when it comes to business advice. Do you have a sense of why that is? Like why people, you know, I think it's pretty common for people to like incorporate at least in Canada when they start. But like, you know, aside from that, a lot of people are like, you know, I'm just going to start my business and see how it goes. Like what are some of those yeah. fundamental things that business owners need to be thinking about before they start their business? And why do you think they're not pursuing legal counsel on those? I think they're not pursuing legal counsel for a couple of reasons. 
One, it used to be that just the Fortune 500 companies, like the Coca-Colas of the world, were the ones that were registering trademarks and really doing all of those types of filings. But the world has changed. We are in a digital age where everyone has intellectual property. And the goal of most businesses is to grow and scale, right? And with, but with that amplification of a brand, you become more exposed. And so people may either see you and you may become more visible. And if you don't do the proper clearance or filings, maybe you don't actually own the rights to your name and you're stepping on someone else's toes and you can get sued that way. Or by being popular and amplified, people may copy you. Mm -hmm. So without doing all of that stuff, you know, you're not protected. So I think that needs to be, that's a myth that we all need to debunk. Every person who has a business and if any business at all, you have intellectual property, you have trademarks, you have copyrights, you work with people, you need contracts. Those three things are very important and you can allocate a small budget to get those done the Mm -hmm. right way. I think also people think of lawyers and their typical, the typical perception of a lawyer is they're expensive. They are troublesome and (laughs) I only go to them when I have problems. Mm -hmm. And that is also another total myth. You should look as a lawyer, as like I say, a legal strategist, you should work with those types of lawyers early to figure out what types of things do I need in my business on within my budget to protect myself early. There's a whole variety of lawyers out there who are much more accessible and who are willing to educate and really empower businesses to learn the law and get the right protection set up. So I think it's a combination of those mm-hmm. things that make mm-hmm. people, but we're going to debunk them today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that because I think we think we're saving money on the front end by not engaging lawyers, but then on the back end, if something happens, like you don't have an employment agreement or you don't have your trademark, and then all of a sudden you have to change your brand name across your whole business, like that's a very expensive endeavor um, and really impactful from a business standpoint financially as well. So I think yeah. those are, some, it's kind of like that hedging your bets, like, oh, it's not going to get in trouble. And then all of a sudden the trouble is like way more than you thought it would be. So So I can definitely appreciate that. So in terms of like starting up, I know we talked about a little bit about trademarks. Like, I guess that's, that would be like maybe one of the first steps you would recommend. Like if you are getting started, like if you are establishing your business name, like to just make sure that you have the use of that name. Now, where would you, if somebody's starting up in a country, so this comes up a lot, I think is a common question. Like if I'm starting up in Canada, should I be clearing in Canada and like 25 global countries or should I be focusing like where I'm going to market most? Like, do you have any guidance on that generally? Yeah, I think I think the question you just raised, all of a sudden you're you're seeing dollar signs. Yeah. You're seeing stress and oh my gosh, and it overwhelms you to the point where you're like, I'm not even going to do this. Mm-hmm. So j- just taking a step back even, I think the most important, there's, there's three most important aspects for product-based businesses and also service-based, like all the online coaches that we see today. Uh, your trademark, like you said, Christy, your your core brand name, whatever the name is that you're operating under, you will definitely have other trademarks. You'll have slogans, you'll have phrases you use, but that trips people up too. They see dollar signs with that. Just focus on your one core trademark to start. 
then it's then your copyright element. Copyrights protect creative works, so like photos or methods, courses. Copyright's very important for service-based providers like the online coaches. And then for for product, if you're a fashion designer or you have some sort of like unique element of your business that you want to protect creatively, maybe copyright's for you and just focusing on that one core essential design or whatever it is and protecting that with one copyright filing to start. And the third is that contract piece. And again, if you're an online coach or if you're selling goods, getting those contracts, whether it's your independent contractor agreement, employment agreement, or your client agreement, those manufacturers for retail, all of those things. But the point of that is those are really the three cornerstones to it, to to the legal aspect. And doing them early is going to save you a ton of time and, and money down the road. Because if you do those things, <laughs> they're really not that expensive compared to that litigation aspect. Mm-hmm. And, and then Christy, I know your, your question though was with trademarks, how do I, where do I begin? So for that first piece, that trademark element, mm-hmm. if you are operating in Canada, if you're a Canadian business, definitely start there. You can work with a Canadian trademark lawyer and get your trademark registered in Canada. But there's so much overlap between Canada and the U.S. that like like us right now, definitely you could also register a United States one. Mm -hmm. But that's really for smaller businesses. Just get that done. You Mm -hmm. don't need to start thinking about Europe and China and Mexico. You can, you can. But like, if it's going to freak you out and it's going to make you not do anything, just at least do the U.S. first mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Canada first, your home country wow. first. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I mean, full disclosure, I registered my own trademark. <laughs> Good. Like and did it get through? <laughs> yeah, you know, but it took me a long time. And you know what? In yeah. retrospect, I probably should have spent the money to hire somebody to do it because it got rejected. Then I had to go back and revise it. And then I had to spend hours researching online, to figure it out. And sometimes, and especially as you scale your business, I think it's important, you know, you try to be so scrappy at the beginning, but then you realize that like, you just spent like two days researching a trademark where you're like, I'm not going to pay a lawyer $500 for this. But then you're like, you just spent like two days of your life doing this and it's not even done properly. So there's always this like trade-off thing, I think with small business totally. owners. We're very much akin to like, okay, let's be scrappy and do it ourselves. But like in the process, we probably could have sold a bunch of items and made that money back. You yeah. Know? So, so full disclosure on that one, I am not a trademark expert, but yeah. So I, I think that's like a really good point to give those three pillars. I know with online businesses too, with the contracts aspect, like terms and conditions and privacy policy are some of the other ones that kind of come into play a little bit. And I know within the U.S., there's like a lot of legislation, depending on the state, like California has very specific things. So one thing I'm going to say that I think a lot of people listening to this podcast do, and I want to get your opinion on it, is there's a platform we all work, a lot of us work on called Shopify, and they have like boilerplate terms and conditions and privacy policies that you can like use. Is that a good starting point or should people really just not be using that and like hiring a lawyer and kind of like creating their own from scratch? Or can you use templates? Is that like realistic or is that just like leaving yourself open as well? It's better than nothing, right? Having some, having something is better than nothing. 
The only problem is if you don't understand what's in it, it may just not apply. So that's like the risk that you get. I have I have people that tell me, oh, I just took someone's contract. I took my coach's contract and used it and made it for my clients. And I'm like, well, that's really, that may not cover you. You know, your client, your coach may only be offering certain services, but if you're not actually, if those contracts aren't tailored specifically to you, there may be some major things missing. Mm-hmm. So- I think the reality is if you are a smaller business, right, there's less of a risk that you're going to have major problems with terms of use and privacy policies. The government is really focused on like the Facebooks and the the bigger the bigger brands that are operating, but you do need to have them. You can't not have them. That the the law in the United States is very is very clear on that. So having something I think is better than nothing. But yeah, to dot your I's and cross your T's and probably do it the right way, you should have a lawyer. Look at those terms. Yeah, that's great advice. My dad's actually a lawyer. And I remember very early on in my business, giving him a contract for um, affiliate marketing. And I was like, I need you to review this. My dad does not practice commercial law. Like he practiced tax and estates and mergers and acquisitions. And he's like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. It's not my area of expertise. I can kind of vet it to tell you what it says, but like I you really are better off hiring somebody who understands what this says. And it's funny because I had somebody copy that from me once. They downloaded the PDF of my contract and then used it on their store and they forgot to change my name out of the agreement. So it came up <sighs> in Google that they were using it. So people do this all the time. And I mean, we're all guilty of trying to cut corners, but ultimately, you know, the resounding message is that it doesn't pay off. I don't think in the end to do that. So, you know, one of of the things you mentioned too, is I think there's a lot of fear around like how much a lawyer is going to cost and like the value of that, like for somebody starting out, of course, we'd love to hire somebody like you who has all this expertise, but that might be out of the budget of somebody who's like brand new. So what what options are there that are a bit more accessible for legal service for small businesses just starting up? Yeah, I think I think it's a myth. I think all of that all of the thinking that any lawyer is too expensive is a myth. So even like I'll give you an example. I have all of this expertise, but I work at a firm where we have fixed fees and our fees are extremely reasonable. So I don't think pe- businesses shouldn't just write off lawyers and I had a client say this to me, oh, well, like you, I'm not ready for you yet. And when we had the conversation, I gave her the estimates and she said, oh, I thought it was going to cost me tens of thousands of dollars. That's, that's, that's not the reality. People don't want to spend a lot of money on intellectual property protections and you don't have to. So I think when it comes down to it, businesses and entrepreneurs have to value their intellectual property and their protections as much as they value growth and scaling. How many coaches or how many marketing people do you hire on a basis where you're maybe spending like a couple hundred to 1500 a month for these services, right? The cost of a trademark filing is only 1250, for example, from through my firm. So that could be, you're gonna get people who do it less, you're going to have people who do it more, but I really think it's important to throw that number out there because when I do, people say, oh, I thought it was going to cost $10,000. Like that's really not crazy when we're, when we're thinking about budgeting and protecting all of your intellectual property. 
So I want every business owner to budget for your trademark, your copyright, and one of your contracts early because think of it as your insurance policy instead of having to find out the hard way that you're using someone else's name and then change. And I literally know someone who has spent a million dollars rebranding when it would have cost them $12.50 to get their trademark on file. And, and also not only get it on file, lawyers will do clearance searches to see if the mark is available. So I hope that makes people feel more comfortable with working with lawyers. Um, like I do a fixed fee for this stuff because no one wants to spend a ton of money and it's very practical and, and reasonable. So if like most people are on a budget, I don't care how much money you make. No one you know, wants to spend a ton of money. Everyone has a budget. Work with lawyers who are practical and have fixed fee opportunities. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think a lot of us think lawyer, we think retainer <laughs> and hourly rate and just see like, you know, that adding up in your head. So it's scary. Yeah. It's like off-putting and then you don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's overwhelming, I think. And because it's like, it's, it's a weird, it's not like, I mean, at least here, like a lot of lawyers do not publish their fees. So like, it's like a weird thing where you have to get into a whole discussion and find the right law firm and then talk to the people and see if they're the right fit for the sale. Like, you're like, is this... Like, I remember, um, you know, we had an issue on, with my brand where somebody copied one of our products, but they also took the product page copy off our website and put it on their website. And wow. they changed a few words, like three or four words. So I was like, oh my God, I have to send them like a cease and desist. Like, I can't do that. So I, a friend of mine was like, oh, just use this law firm. And I'm like, she's really fancy. Like, I don't think I can afford her. But then when I talked to her, she's like, no, no, this is like, you know, I just do, do the letter. And I think it cost me like maybe it cost me like probably $1,500 for her to do the letter and another letter or something like that. And then they took the stuff down. And for me, it was worth it. But I would have never thought I could have afforded that, to be honest, because yeah, a lot of those assumptions we make about, you know, looking at that Bay Street, Bay Street's like a big street in Toronto, Bay Street law firms, they're like the fancy kind of Manhattan law firms, you know, but a lot of them, yeah, I think can work with you a lot. And so so how do you recommend finding a law firm? Like, is it best to work through referral or like, because there's like a million of them out there. So how do you find these like experts that can help you? I think it's important to find someone who is in your area of expertise. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you are an online coach and you're going to hire someone who has never done online coaching and they just, they're in the pharmaceutical, they represent a bunch of big pharma companies don't use that person. Mm -hmm. When it comes down to it, these things are very technical. So the way that I describe your services or your products, if I don't understand them, if I don't know what's going on, I may not accurately file your trademark application. Mm -hmm. And and then when it comes time to you actually having the final registration, if it doesn't actually protect what you're doing, you know, you just wasted your time. And mm. so don't assume that all lawyers understand your business. There's a lot of nuances. If you're a retail company, ask that lawyer, have you ever represented retail brands? Do you work with fashion companies? That's really important. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to contracts, it's the same thing. And I think from just a digital perspective, I encourage all lawyers to get on social media and figure out what's actually going on. 
Because mm-hmm. if you don't understand online retail, online sales, online marketing and advertising, you can't accurately advise your mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really my advice to, to mm-hmm. them is to find those experts. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a common misnomer that like any lawyer will do. So like, you know, my dad reviewing my affiliate contract makes sense, you know, but to me, he's not a specialist in that area. So he has no idea what he's doing. He's never practiced that type of law. Just like anything, it's like going to see like an ear, nose and throat doctor for like stomach pains. Like it just doesn't make sense. So I totally appreciate that advice. I did ask the, our, we have a Facebook group and I asked a couple of people for questions if they wanted to pose. And one of them that came up very commonly is actually around trademarks. And I know this will vary by jurisdiction as law does, but, um, you know, if you register a trademark, how much does that actually protect you on social media and on your website, domain names and stuff like that? Like, cause this is a big common thing that comes up. You register your name, let's say what the name of my other business is encircled and you want at encircled on Instagram and you own the trademark, you know, what protection do you ever even have? Because the internet's kind of like this global weird mm-hmm. open space, or do you have any, I guess? Like, does trademarking your name actually protect you from other people buying domain names and using it on social and stuff like that? Yeah. So let's let's talk about what you get when you file a trademark registration. Mm -hmm. Or rather, because Canada and U.S. are similar, let's Mm -hmm. talk about what what you get when you don't register. Mm -hmm. So Canada and the United States are common law countries, meaning that you have trademark rights just by using them. Mm. However, those rights, at least in the United States, I'm going to speak on behalf of the U.S., those rights are only limited to the geographic region where you operate. Mm. So without a trademark registration, who the heck knows what that means? Mm -hmm. You're an online business or if you are an online coach or you only sell your products online, how are you going to, if you get in a trademark battle, the question becomes, where are your rights? Mm-hmm. Which that, at that point, it's extremely expensive. It's time consuming on behalf of you and the lawyers, and it's emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. The way that we get around that is by filing a registration, which gives you a presumption of rights, and this is U.S., in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. He said, she said, I was here. Here are my invoices. Mm-hmm. It's just you get the registration. You, 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 you're presumed to have rights all over in the United States. But those trademark rights are territorial, meaning your rights are limited to the country. Mm-hmm. So even though you may have all of the U.S., you're really not protected in Europe or other countries where you may be doing business. So that's where it becomes a question of how do I allocate my resources and where do I protect my marks? Mm-hmm. So, to, so to answer your question, yes, if you have a registration, you can enforce it online, but it becomes where is that other person? So if someone else is using mm-hmm. in the UK, but you're both on Instagram, you know, the, the as the world becomes more global and mm. internet-based, these are the questions that get litigated over. Mm. So to try and prevent litigation and fights, if you know that you are marketing in the UK and it's a big market for you, just to circumvent all that craziness and for peace of mind, get, get your trademark filed in those countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. I remember one time trying to get our trademark back on Instagram and they said, or sorry, on Facebook, because somebody was using it. And they said the person who was using it was based in Australia, where we don't own the trademark, actually. So they wouldn't allow us to have it back. And I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) here's what I would have done in that instance. If I was your lawyer, I'm just thinking through the analysis. And like, I don't know what the circumstances are, but I'll just pretend like Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll kind of make them up. Okay, so I just want to give a quick example of the analysis that goes through if you see someone on Instagram. So if the Australian company is selling clothing, for example, and your registration also includes clothing, mm-hmm. and but you're in Canada, I would check to see if the Australian company is soliciting Canadian customers mm. or is I would go on their website and see if they ship to the United States. Mm-hmm. Then I would argue that it's use in Canada and I would try to take it down that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is another reason why you need to hire a lawyer (laughs) and not (laughs) DIY your own legal strategy (laughs) because I just dropped it. You know, I let it go. I was like, oh, well it's over. (laughs) No, I love, and I love that you're being so honest because I think it's really important for people to like, that's my mission is literally to demystify Mm -hmm. this process, to make the law process less scary And I offer free consults all the time. Like Mm -hmm. if you are not sure of something and you want to just see what your options are, reach out to me, reach out to the various lawyers that are online Mm -hmm. offering these types of free consults because, you know, it may be worth it to pursue and go after someone versus just, just letting it go. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because it's like when you're in such a high growth, my other business is an e-commerce business and it's a very high growth business. And we were talking about it the other day in management meetings. It's like you're flying a plane while you're building the plane. So, you know, your legal stuff often kind of falls to the side a little bit. You know, a lot of our listeners are like this too. Like they're trying to do all the things and they're like, okay, I know I need to do that. That's in the back of my mind, keeping me up at night. I need to do that. But there's like more important things. So, so that prioritization though, it, it like it, it sounds simpler than it is. So I hope this podcast helps our listeners and and myself personally uh, feel a little bit more confident and comfortable reaching out and doing that kind of legal legal work that I think is really foundational to having that business that scales. Because at the end of the day, if you want to scale and sell your business and you don't own some of the IP, it can be a really, really big problem and barrier to sale for sure. So so I can definitely appreciate that. Um, Another question we got was about contracts. So... Not specifically about like legal, I guess, clauses and contracts, but necessarily like, is there too, is there such a thing as too many contracts? And one of the reasons why is like in product-based business, like there's a lot of manufacturing, right? So a lot of people are working with their products with an outsourced manufacturer. And, um, you know, when you're starting up, people are very nervous about their product getting stolen and all that kind of stuff. So they try and make their manufacturer sign contracts. My experience, a lot of manufacturers will not sign agreements and NDAs and stuff like that. They're just, especially in the fashion industry, they're like very much not going to do that, but that freaks people out. So is there a way that people can protect themselves and their products when going through manufacturing, whether it's onshore or offshore, or do you really need an agreement in place to do that? The legal answer is yes. And it's to have those contracts in place and not work with those people. That's Mm -hmm. the very harsh, technical, legal answer. And I'll tell you why. And then I'll give you the practical answer. So a conservative legal answer to have contracts in place is because without it, 
you still have an agreement. Mm-hmm. But if there's a problem, you now have to prove what that agreement entailed mm-hmm. through emails, through he said, she said. And again, thinking about budget and like lawyers and legal fees and why it becomes so stressful to people, but that's all dollar signs. Mm -hmm. So you may think that you're actually saving money by not having the contract drafted, or it's better this way because we don't have to take the time to go back and forth and maybe they're not going to sign the contract. So let's just do a handshake. You actually could end up spending significantly much more money and stress over your, your, your rights and your products without the contract. Mm-hmm. So that's the conservative answer to not work with those types of manufacturers and try to find people that just want want to work with you and sign something. But let's say, practically speaking, you find someone and they really don't want to sign a contract. What you can do is give them a term sheet. Mm-hmm. Give them a sheet that sets out all of the actual business terms because you have the agreement anyway. You're going to figure out how much, what the price is, what the mm-hmm. timeframes are, what the trademarks are, what the licensed goods. There's a lot that goes into it. And so I've seen it where maybe there's not like a very lengthy legal agreement, but at least you have a term sheet that sets out the core business terms. The downside of that is that if things go wrong and you get into a litigation, you're going to have to figure out what the legal provisions were or a court, you're going to let a judge imply them. And that's not great. Mm -hmm. Then the third way to do this creatively is getting your intellectual property protections in place in those countries where they operate. Mm -hmm. Because what is, what happens all of the time is you may be a shoe brand where you want to hire a shoe manufacturer in China. And let's, let's say you even have the contract, right? You have a contract with them, but they start selling your designs under a different name or they don't, they don't put your logo. It happens all the time. Or maybe you only authorize them for a thousand products, but they overmake and they're selling another thousand to, to make money for themselves. Um, without a contract in place, it's very hard to enforce, but the way that you kind of protect your intellectual property is by filing in China and filing your trademarks in those countries. I've seen it where the actual manufacturer will file the trademark in the name of the brand owner in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, in, and in China, it's, it's not like Canada and U.S. where it's first use, mm-hmm. the first people to use gets rights. It's literally whoever files the trademark first gets rights. So if you didn't file your trademark in China, technically now your manufacturer owns your trademark and it becomes a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so get your trademarks on file in the jurisdictions where you have your manufacturers and your distributors. So you can avoid that and get your NDAs and get those manufacturing agreements in place. Those are my tips. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point is that like, there's the really with, with lawyers in my experience, especially with like HR counsel, it's like, there's like the really legal answer. And then there's like a way to kind of not not like screw the system. There's like a practical approach to a lot of answers as well. So like, you know, there's a legal answer to firing somebody, but there's also a practical and a compassionate approach to doing things. Like, so I think finding a lawyer who has that kind of business strategy, like you said, like a legal strategist, not somebody who's 
Because a lot of these things sometimes aren't practical depending on the industry. Like they're just, you know, I'm in an industry, I'm in the clothing business and like everything is off a handshake and well, not a handshake now, but like a handshake and a promise and a prayer. <laughs> like you're like, yeah. I just hope they're not going to mess, you know, screw me over. And it's just like, I still have contractors who write on carbon copy paper, which a lot of people don't know what that is. Like they just don't, they're not digitized. They're not contract people. They just believe in the goodness of people's hearts, you know? So it's hard because you can get sucked into that, but then you forget there's a lot of like, you're leaving yourself open to a lot of liability for sure. So, so that's a really great point. So in terms of before we jump into our hot seat questions and start to wrap up the interview, what are you working on right now? I know you're working at, you're a partner in a firm, like how do people work with you and what's that look like? Yeah. So I do have this niche. I do a lot of retail fashion. And also I've been working a lot with online entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. And I love, I love the internet. I love social media. I leaving my other firm, I now have a lot of flexibility. So clients come to me and they ask me, oh, do you know Kajabi? Do you know mm-hmm. online retail? And I, I live it, you know? So I will tell everyone if they're interested in connecting with me or just learning more about the law or actually protecting your intellectual property, they can go to my Instagram where I'm at the trademark attorney. And my website is launching this month. It's francescawitzberg.com, which you can also get to on my Instagram. But the Instagram is really the source of it all. And (laughs) then you could set up a free consult with me by clicking on the link there. Love it. I love a lawyer with an Instagram. (laughs) It's great. It's been, you know, I just think like everything you've said, Christy, it's so true that lawyers are we're looked at like necessary evils. And mm-hmm. I, I want everyone to look at lawyers and find a good lawyer that's going to work with you more as a partner and help you save money mm-hmm. than spend money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my best friends is an HR employment lawyer and who often does a lot of free work for me. Unfortunately, I try to pay her and she won't take it a lot of the time, but now I have to pay her because I'm bigger. But and I don't mind, but she's a very practical lawyer and it's been very helpful for the business. And it's actually really saved me probably thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars um, just by proactively creating a legal agreement way ahead of my time. Like when I was very small, you know, that was really good. And, you know, that kind of proactivity is for sure. I'm not perfect like that in my business at all, but, you know, thinking of a lawyer who can also, you know, kind of what you talked about here, like be able to prioritize what's most important. Cause yeah, we would love to like get contracts and perfect terms and conditions and all these things. But like, if you have a limited budget, you know, these are the three things you need to focus on. And I think that in itself, what you said is really important because that will bring a lot of that overwhelm over legal um, down for entrepreneurs who are just like, Because I think a lot of people listening right now are probably like me. They're like, oh my God, just mentally doing that checklist of all the things they don't have in place, you know, but just know that that's like, you know, somebody qualified like Francesca can go through that with you on a free console call and say, hey, like, you know, these are the things you want to work on, but like, let's focus on this one now and, you know, kind of prioritize what's important and urgent as well. So so thank you for sharing that. So we'll definitely put the link to your website in the show notes and your Instagram as well. So before we wrap up, I want to ask a few hot seat questions. So these are just the one or two word answers. This is the first thing that comes to your mind. 
So what's one non-negotiable step in your morning routine? Walking, moving, moving. Lately, it's been walking. Um, I go on like an hour-long walk. It used to be Peloton, but moving. Nice. What's your favorite business book that you've ever read? Oh, How to Make Friends and Influence People. I like that book. Okay, classic one. (laughs) What is the favorite podcast you're listening to right now? Christie's, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm flattered. (laughs) If you could wear one outfit on repeat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Black, skinny jeans, and some sort of turtleneck and a blazer. Like, (laughs) Very classic. If you had $1,000 extra in your business, what would you spend it on? Oh, having someone help me with Facebook ads. I know I have to get there. I'm doing everything organic, but that is uh, another chapter, which I'm sure all your listeners are (laughs) learning about too. Yes. Yes. I may have a person I can refer you to, so we can chat after about that. (laughs) I should have said legal, right? Like, (laughs) I know. Like somebody asked me that right now, I'd be like, Terms and conditions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trademarks. Awesome. So just to recap, where can people find you online? What's your website address that you're launching soon? And what's your Instagram? Go to Instagram. I'm at the trademark attorney. That's going to link to my website, which is francescawitzberg.com. Awesome. Thanks, Francesca. It was wonderful having you on the podcast. I appreciate your knowledge and you taking the time to share that with our audience today. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.